0: Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us. Here on The Landscape over the next several weeks with the November 8th general election around the corner, we're going to be talking to a number of different candidates running for a number of different offices. Today, we talked to the Republican nominee seeking the office of the Cuyahoga County Executive, that is Lee Weingart. Mr. Weingart does have political experience, having served as a Cuyahoga County Commissioner from 1995 to 97. For the last two decades, he's been the president of the LNE Group, a federal and state government relations firm that helps clients secure public funding for projects. Mr. Weingart, thanks for being with us today. Good to be here.
1: Thank you for having me on the show.
0: So, it's been a while since you held elected office. Why is now the right time to make a return to public service?
1: So, I served as county commissioner from 1995 through 1997. When I left in 1997, the county was adding jobs and adding population. So, we were a growing county. The last 26 years, we've been anything but. So, the last census, we've lost both jobs and both po- in population in Cuyahoga County. I'm getting back in because we need to fundamentally rethink the way we deliver government services in this county. All we've seen the last few years is growing of county government and increased taxes. In fact, in 2020, we had a massive increase in the county's portion of the property tax. In 2021, you had a very large increase in property values. Put those two things together and you get much higher property tax payments on people living in Cuyahoga County, which especially hurts senior citizens. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So I'm really running to change the philosophy of the government, don't invest in government, don't raise taxes. Instead, let's invest in our community. Let's help 10,000 families become private homeowners, work to create 4,000 new good paying jobs, and a fund to create 250 new urban-based minority-owned small businesses. And then, of course, tax relief, which we'll talk about. So I'm for a smaller county government that's more active in the urban core, bringing opportunity to the urban core and taking the burden off of the taxpayers of this county by reducing, at a minimum, uh, freezing our taxes.
0: You have a different perspective because you did serve in government and you've also been in the private sector. You often hear people say, we need a businessman because to be a politician because they get things done. But do you find sometimes when businessmen go into politics that they're kind of used to saying, I'm in charge of this, this is how we're going to do it. But in politics, coalitions have to be formed and compromises have to be made. Do you find sometimes it's a little more difficult? I know you've done both, so I'd be curious in your perspective. So
1: you hear that a lot about bringing a businessman into the government. And what I would say is that the government does things that no business would ever want to do because there's no <laughs> money to be made in taking care of abused children or neglected seniors or families in crisis or people who are addicted, which are big things that the county government does. I think what they mean when they say bring a businessman into the government is to make it more efficient, uh, to make it more responsive uh, and to make it better. So, you know, I have run a business now for 20 years in the private sector, which we've grown nicely allowed me to run for county executive starting last year and into this year. So I'll bring the things that I've learned in the private sector into the county government. One thing I focus on a lot is taxes. My opponent has never really worked in the private sector. He worked in the city government and the county government, and then he's been in nonprofit sector for about 15, 16 years. Doesn't really understand the impact of taxes on people. So I've talked to people. I've talked to a woman who's 87 years old in the city of Cleveland, in Ward one of Cleveland. She's owned her home for the last, since 1965. Uh, She paid off her mortgage decades ago, but she's afraid of losing her house to property taxes because of the massive increase in property taxes, not just from the county, but from the schools and from everybody else. Taxes, it seems, always go up. They never level off and they never come down. Similarly, sales taxes. We have the highest sales tax in the state of Ohio and Cuyahoga County. Sales taxes particularly hurt people who are low incomes or senior citizens. So between property taxes and sales taxes, which are the two main uh, funding sources for county government, we we have the highest in Ohio and among the highest in the country. So I'll bring my private sector sense into county government to try and reduce our taxes to reduce the burden of our government on seniors and people with fewer resources.
0: As we've seen, the state and county have received hundreds of millions for this post-pandemic economic stimulation and recovery from the federal government. Your message is geared toward cutting county budgets, reining in programs. There's this trend, though, to say we need to spend more. Do you think that message that you're going to deliver will appeal to voters in a time where it seems like we're spending more because there's money floating around?
1: So I'm not suggesting we cut programs. That's very important. The county has critical programs for people For young children, for seniors, for families, for people who are addicted, people who have mental health challenges. I'm not going to cut those programs, to be very clear. However, the county also spends $50 million a year paying the debt service on the Hilton Hotel downtown and on the Medical Mart. Now, I have a plan to sell at least the Hilton Hotel and hopefully also the Medical Mart. That would be a savings of $50 million a year of the county's general fund. We take that $50 million and we invest a big chunk of that back into the community in my 10,000 Homes initiative to help 10,000 families in Cuyahoga County who are currently renting or living in public housing uh, build, buy, repair, or rent a private home that they own. I also want to create a $10 million fund to create small businesses in the city of Cleveland and then to work with our healthcare institutions, our historic excellence in manufacturing, and of course our Great Lake to drive 4,000 new good paying jobs to county county. So it's about investing in the community, not investing in the government. And this is where my opponent and I are distinctly different. He wants to add four new departments to county government, transportation, housing, ombudsman, and something called international affairs. I want to encourage people who are in county government and eligible to retire, to retire, and then only replace those who need to be replaced. So we have a smaller, more efficient county government still delivering its critical services, but taking the excess revenue and investing it in
0: our community. Just a small side question. This is going to sound naive. Is it common for cities to own, be investing in hotels? Do you know of that? I, I honestly don't know the answer. So the that. county owns the
1: Hilton Hotel. Uh, there are some cases where other counties own hotels, particularly convention center hotels. That doesn't make it right. Um, OK. You know, I think you can get the same value here generate the same number of taxes, bed taxes, sales taxes, sin taxes, income taxes, property taxes, if somebody else owns that hotel and you no longer have the risk of paying the property taxes or the debt service on the hotel. So I want to sell it. Uh, I want to get it off our books in the hands of a private owner who will do a better job managing the hotel, I'm sure, and will bear the risk of any loss in any given year.
0: Your competitor has been endorsed by Cleveland Mayor Justin Bibb. If you are elected, how do you go about creating a beneficial relationship between Cuyahoga County and the city of Cleveland? Well,
1: I gave Justin his first job. In 2007, he was an intern for my company. (laughs) I've known Justin most of his adult life. Before he endorsed my opponent, he called me to say, I'm going to endorse Chris Renate. And I said, that's fine, Justin. Look, they're both Democrats. We expect Democrats to endorse Democrats. I'll work closely with Justin and with Blaine Griffin, council president in Cleveland, to make sure we are delivering resources into the urban core of the county. Somebody asked me recently, who is more powerful, the county executive or the mayor of Cleveland? And I said, the county executive and the mayor of Cleveland. When you unite those two forces, you can really make a change. The best example, at least in my lifetime, was when I was county commissioner and Mike White was the mayor of Cleveland, we worked together to first pass a syntax extension to pay for a new Browns stadium, then to bring the Browns back to Cleveland, which until yesterday would look like a really good decision.
0: I was going to say, I I might not campaign on that issue.
1: (laughs) What can I say? We're all (laughs) Cleveland Browns fans. We know what's going to (laughs) happen on any given Sunday.
0: Indeed. You've been a vocal critic of the current county administration's handling of the operations of the Justice Center and this plan to have a sales tax to pay for a new jail facility. How do you go about evaluating the need and location for a new building, and how do you pay for it then?
1: So first thing, bring a new consultant in. For the last 15 or 16, maybe more than 20 years, the county just the exact same consultant on every project, the Medical Mart, the Hilton Hotel, the jail, the Justice Center. We need fresh eyes and a new perspective. So I will bring in a new consultant to study the two jails downtown, Jail 1 and Jail 2, and then to look potentially at a site outside of downtown. I'm coming to think that the answer is to renovate Jail 2, which is 700 beds, and reduce it to about 500 beds because we have to expand the size of the jail cells, and make that the location for the most dangerous people that are arrested on crimes. So maximum security, downtown, uh, Jail 2. And then look at a site outside of downtown Cleveland, not the current site the county has in mind, which is contaminated, but a different site where you might build a jail between 500 and 800 more, where you could put arrestees who are not viewed to be as dangerous as the ones you have downtown. You could probably build a uh, not a maximum security jail out there and save a lot of money. There's no chance that we can afford a $750 million jail in Cuyahoga County not going to happen. So I want to build a two smaller jails, so roughly a capacity of about 1200, which is exactly what Franklin County did this year. Franklin County opened up two new jails. Total capacity is 1000. They did it for 360 million dollars, half of what the county is kind of playing spending on one big jail. So, two smaller jails and then invest equally in Diversion and alternatives to pre trial incarceration, as opposed to just having people sit in jail all the time. I don't think that's the right way to go. If someone is not a violent offender and they're arrested, I'd like to see them get treatment, Uh, support is needed, but not hold them in jail if they are not violent and they're not a flight risk uh, to leave the county.
0: Lee Weingart joins us today for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland podcast. Mr. Weingart is running for Cuyahoga County Executive. You've talked about this current administration, the Cuyahoga County will spend less than one percent of its budget on economic development. What kind of concrete steps would you? I know you mentioned some things to improve minority representation in the workforce and just and invest more in economic development.
1: So let's talk about minority contractors first. So in any given year, the county spends about four hundred million dollars in contracts. Less than one percent go to minority owned businesses. Now every county contract says that a minimum of five percent must go to minority owned businesses. But there's also something called the Good faith effort where a majority contractor can say, I tried to find a minority contract. I couldn't find one. So they're excused from the 5%. So there we go. We have the 1% of contracting business going to minority contractors. What I will do is change that. On the first day, I move to 10% instead of 5%. But importantly, I eliminate the so-called good faith effort. If I get a contract that does not have at least 10% of the contract volume going to a minority-owned business, I won't sign it. It's that simple. We must enforce some discipline in the contracting community so that we give opportunities to minority contractors. My goal ultimately is 20%. By the end of my second term as county executive, I want to have it to be 20%. That's how we grow minority businesses and opportunities for minority contractors in county. Now, on the county itself, I have called for an end to municipal income taxes. So the 56 communities that levy a municipal income tax I'd like to take away that authority and consolidate it under kaya County. We'd have a single county-administered, collected, and distributed income tax. I think that will make us much more competitive. When employers are looking at kaya County, they often see the situation with Rita, where their employees will pay two or three income taxes, one to where they live and one to where they work. Well, under the system I am proposing, it's a single 2.25% income tax, that would come out of your paycheck every month, just like federal and state taxes are withheld. Simpler to file your tax return and makes our county much more competitive. It also eliminates the terrible situation where suburbs compete against each other to bring in new businesses and they do it using income tax abatement. So starving their own treasuries, of the resources they need to fund police, fire, EMS, and other critical municipal services. So we'll make Collin County more competitive by having a simpler income tax that is collected and distributed by the county government.
0: You mentioned the high property taxes and the elderly woman who was afraid of losing her house. You, um, You talk about freezing these property taxes for elderly homeowners, but that would require a change in state law that the Cleveland Neighborhood Progress Association is lobbying for. What kind of role can the county executive actually play in this effort? And are you working closely with them to try to make that happen?
1: Well, I'm not convinced I need a change in state law. Um, I've talked to two former county officials, very high officials, who think because we are a charter form of government, we could make that change locally. However, if I do need to make a change, I have for the last 20 years run one of the biggest lobbying firms in Ohio. We've been very successful working in Columbus for our clients, changing the law to help our clients. So I am already working on a bill that's going to be drafted to be put before the General Assembly next year when I become county executive. That bill is very simple. It will only apply to counties with a charter form of government and a million or more in population. That's just one Cuyahoga County. It will freeze property taxes for senior citizens, so that means at least 60 years old, who are earning less than $50,000 a year, excluding Social Security and pension benefits. We think this is going to help 70,000 senior homeowners by freezing their taxes until they sell the home. It Keeps them in their home longer, uh, which is good public policy. I will work with any nonprofit organization in Cuyahoga County or the state of Ohio that has the vision to freeze property taxes for senior citizens. So Neighborhood Progress and anybody else that wants to come down to Columbus with me to advocate to the General Assembly to make Cuyahoga County a testing ground for freezing property taxes for seniors on fixed incomes.
0: One of the things we've talked about frequently on the landscape is the issue of the office markets, both downtown and in the suburbs, where a lot of companies simply aren't bringing workers back on site because of COVID and the decision not to do that. Are there things the county can do from a policy standpoint to help stabilize the office market?
1: So I think it's going to be difficult to stabilize the office market if people decide to work from home. But one thing we can do is to stabilize the revenue that cities are going to be losing. So a study was done by Cleveland State University that looked at the impact of remote work on cities like Cleveland and Solon and Strongsville and Shaker Heights, other cities. It found that at a minimum, $40 million a year would be lost in total income tax collections, could be as high as $240 million. That's if everybody who can work from home did work from home. So it's somewhere between $40 and $240 million caused by remote work. If your employer is in Cleveland and you live in Shaker Heights, you would pay 3.75% 3.75% in taxes, 2.5% to Cleveland, 1.25% to Shaker Heights. Now, if you decide to work from home instead of going downtown, Cleveland gets nothing. 2.5% is gone, and you just pay Shaker Heights the percentage. Under my proposed system, it won't matter where you work. If your employer is in Cleveland, if you live or work in Cuyahoga County, you're going to pay the tax, 2.25%. So let's say you live outside the county. Let's say you live in Hudson, but you work in Solon. You're going to pay 2.25% to Cuyahoga County and then whatever you pay to Hudson. So let's say you're paying over over 4% because we charge you 2.25% and Hudson charges you something as well. This will be an incentive for people to move back into Cuyahoga County. We can actually use tax policy to stem the out-migration Of our population and to bring people back into Cuyahoga County. When was the last time you heard someone talk about using tax policy to grow the population of Cuyahoga County?
0: Finally, you are the last Republican elected to a county office in Cuyahoga County, 1995. How do you appeal to voters across the aisle? So I started my campaign
1: on the east side of Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland Heights kid, and so very comfortable working in Wards 1 through 10 of Cleveland and in places like Warrensville Heights and East Cleveland. There is a great hunger for change in government. You saw that last year with the election of Justin Bibb as mayor of Cleveland. But I don't think that hunger has been abated. I think people still want change in county government. They don't see the county government being responsive to their needs. All they hear about is investments downtown, hotels, medical marts, other things, with very little investment in the neighborhoods of Cleveland and in the uh, first ring suburbs, the urban core of the county. So my message is very straightforward. Yes, we'll have some investment downtown. That's, of course, very important. But we need to invest equally or more in the urban core of Cuyahoga County, where real people live, where people raise their families uh, every day, where they need some support. So through 10,000 homes, 4,000 new jobs, and 250 new small businesses, we invest in the, in the neighborhoods of Cleveland and in the first ring suburbs. So that message plays well. It doesn't matter if I'm in Glenville or Strongsville. People understand the critical importance of the city of Cleveland's health to the county. We can keep Cleveland healthy. We can stabilize the population and jobs in Cleveland. That helps everybody in Cuyahoga County. So my message is not particularly partisan. It's not liberal or conservative. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's a message of hope that we can invest in these neighborhoods and change the form of what we do in county government, where we deploy our resources and how we spend the the precious money uh, that we get from the taxpayers and the time we have as elected officials. So I am working across the aisle, as I have for the last 20 years, in Washington and and Columbus, to find Democratic partners to work with me to make Cow County a better place to live, work, raise your family, and retire for everybody.
0: Lee Weingart, thanks so much for your time today. Great pleasure having you join us. Thank you very much for your time. Lee Weingart is running for Cuyahoga County Executive. He has joined us today for The Landscape, of Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.